Welcome to the My Rules Are Better podcast. I'm Tom Barbele. Today, I'd like to explore two topics. One was a listener request and one was a request from my wife. Anyway, I would like to start with the listener request and that was from listener Mike King. Mike King was asking associated with how I do playtesting and he had some of his own ideas and I sent him an email and was going to start some discussion with Mike. So this might be a follow on podcast with Mike's feedback. But I wanted to talk a little bit more, just expand basically on what I'm talking about when I talk about playtesting. So when I playtested the Just Playing Chaos rule set, I had quite a large gaming table set up in my podcasting room. I had probably about, what was it? It was a four feet by eight foot table, which was far larger than anything I needed practically. Practically, when I was doing my testing, I was dealing typically with a three foot by three foot space or something smaller. And within that space, I had nine figures. I had a 10 pack of figures that I sent off to Frontline Painting maybe a year and a half ago. And uh, they were Waffen SS, so they were German camouflage troops. And the fellow who painted them had some kind of stomach issue. So I got the 10 back, but one of them had lost a head in transit. It wasn't the best possible experience to start my relationship with Frontline Painting. However, I've had a number of commissions from them since and a number of better commissions. And the trick is just to find the right painter. And the spiller, unfortunately, just wasn't the right painter. So anyway, I used these nine figures to simulate the Just Playing Chaos figures. Uh, I had actually the set of Just Playing Chaos figures, I think, at work by this stage, if I remember correctly, uh, because I was just basically prepping the situation at work. So I didn't have that many figures at home that I could play with, although I do have uh, a set of figures from, what was it called? Neptune's Hobbies and Games, which is in St. Louis Obispo. I went there a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. If you go to the Monty's Review channel on YouTube, you'll see my account of the figures that I picked up there. So I could have played with those figures as well, uh, just to get a sense of the, the rule set with regards to a figure set. So when I was playtesting Just Play Chaos, I... Like I said, I had some figures, I had some terrain, and I looked at probably a dozen or so standard movement scenarios, either where one side or the other side was holding ground, where one side or the other side had advanced skills, and just looked at what happened over a short period of time through standard interchanges of gunfire, uh, charging, these kind of things. Just experimenting with the rules in a variety of different settings that no doubt the players would experience within the first two or three games. Uh, that we played at work. And this enabled me to try a lot of the dice rolling mechanics. It caused a great degree of simplification in the rule set. I realized through this period of time that a number of the rules were overly technical, required too much emphasis on reading paperwork. There's still an issue with the Just Playing Cast rule set with paperwork, which I think I need to resolve probably in an updated set of rules based on the, well, an updated set of the Just Playing Cast rules. But certainly early on, I was able to simplify the rule set greatly the other thing that you check for through this experience is probability you want the probabilities to be right you want things to play as you would hope them to play and this was certainly something that i used through this playtesting period and honestly it probably at most was about six hours i can't think it was probably six hours over two or three days i did after we started the first game maybe went into the second game i did come back and replay tests and aspects and dynamics that i wanted to check i added shotguns and hand grenades through the first two games that we played at work and I wanted to check those rules specifically with the view that hand grenades and particularly groups of hand grenades and things like you know barrels of gasoline and these kind of things all have 
quite great explosive effect within the rules. One of the things that I found historically with a bunch of rule sets is that they don't capture the damage that exploding weapons actively do or explosions can actively, you know, in terms of incapacitation, in terms of a wide variety of factors. So I wanted the Just Play Cast rule set to be quite heavy in terms of the effects of explosive ordinances with the view that these things were relatively rare in the gameplay. So having done this for a few times, I was looking at the amount of dice rolls I was doing, the amount of paperwork I had to maintain. I was looking at a variety of factors, like whether these things just made sense. And through this, originally the Just Play Cast rule set, I think had maybe five kinds of weapons. There was distinctions between regular rifles and assault rifles and there were a bunch of different distinctions which just made the rule set really quite cumbersome. I thought right what I need to do is to simplify it. Three types of weapons. There's rifles, submachine guns and sniper rifles. The rifles and sniper rifles effectively are semi-automatic rifles but they still have you know various jamming considerations and these kind of things versus the submachine gun which has a lot of jamming potential certainly for an inexperienced user of the submachine gun as well so that is a basic introduction into playtesting uh, maybe digging a little bit deeper than i did in my initial description and certainly if you have any questions like mike king please do get in contact and ask me those questions my email address barbele which is my surname bravo alpha romeo bravo alpha lima echo tango at gmail.com is the way to reach me to ask questions associated with this particular podcast. The second topic that I wanted to discuss is associated with attribution. And here I need to shout out a channel called Bardic Broadcasts, which is a fellow in Australia. He's been off YouTube for a period of time. He's come back and recorded a few more YouTube unboxing reviews. I quite like his style. Very reminiscent of people I used to know in Australia. Just kind of familiar to me in a very uh, Australian intimate way, let's put it that way. So he made a point associated with a recent Games Workshop review that Games Workshop was no longer giving attribution to artists. And I've been thinking about this because Games Workshop has recently come out with some new greenskins um, goblins in their Age of Sigma range, which I've never really... I mean, once they moved away from square-based fantasy, yeah, I was just like, yeah, okay, meh. Not really interested. Plastics, the resin stuff, these offerings... Not really my thing, but they were coming up with some new green skins and I thought, well, I'll humor them. I'll have a look at the green skins just to get a sense of what they're offering here. And certainly what I found was interesting. I mean, I like the kind of mushroom cultist element, but honestly, hands down, my green skin collection is almost all Kev Adams. I've talked in a number of podcasts about Kev Adams. I've wanted to introduce Kev Adams to a broader, not just standard wargaming community understanding of who this guy is, because I think Kev Adams is just a brilliant individual. He's someone who started doing goblins and certain chaos figures for games workshop in the mid to late 80s and then for a period of time he was doing occasional commissions but not really doing a lot of work and then he had a home invasion and the 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 home invader you know nearly ripped out his eye socket and he used this recovery period to start sculpting again and he's just produced some amazing sculpting efforts primarily through kickstarter over the past two three years and I was lamenting, actually, when I was starting to do this recording today, that he doesn't actually have any elf rings currently on Kickstarter. But you can buy a lot of his stuff. I mean, Otherworld, uh, I mean, there are a bunch of companies that still maintain some part of Kev Adams' ranges. But I do support the Kickstarters primarily because I get a sense that most of the, well, at least some of the money is going back to Kev. And also, they have such a small batch feel to them they're almost like small batch liquor this kind of stuff that <laughs> you get just the quintessential elements of of kev adams in such a variety of different you know 
goblinoid and green skinned poses. So I was reflecting very heavily on like what this lack of attribution thing is. And what does that actually mean in a, a practical sense? Well, certainly there are a number of folks that have sculpted goblins in the past and done, you know, a pretty good job. I mean, you've got, you know, Brian Nelson, a bunch of other folk that have done this historically for Games Workshop. But Kev Adams, the, the element of psychedelics that is so central to Kev Adams' work and the fact I've had a brief correspondence with Kev Adams many, many years ago, probably well more than a decade ago, and you do get the sense that you're actually corresponding with someone who's lived intimately with goblins and orcs at some stage of his life. Like he's had some kind of scholarly pursuit where he is embedded deeply within, you know, the fungusoids and has created such an amazing repertoire of possible designs and possible ideas that what you see from him now is just like a catalogue of so many different possibilities, so many different, you know, it's the antithesis of plastic miniatures because he has such an intimate and unique experience and translates that so beautifully into just copious quantities of uh, amazing greenskins. None are ever similar in any way, shape, or form. It's interesting, actually, because so many sculptors have, have copied Kev Adams' style historically, and what you see through the Kev Adams copies, which you see through Black Tree Designs range, uh, to a lesser extent, uh, Foundry. I understand Foundry might actually have some legitimate Kev Adams amongst their but again you don't see that because they don't give proper attribution so i think what resonated with me in the bardic broadcast youtube video was just this notion that we should be recognizing these artists we should be recognizing the greatness and in particular how there are certain artists that are clearly leaders in this area and they should be recognized so that they can you know command better positions so they can improve their lot and uh, i don't know i mean i don't think kev adams is amazingly wealthy he's certainly no you know perry twins or any of these folk that have been able to get good income through uh, miniature sculpting over a number of years uh certainly i think the recent coverage of you know barns and farmhouses and things that the sculptors of great note through games workshop history have been able to amass you know this i think is very good i don't think kev adams is there but his loyal following the people that love his work and love the intimacy that he has with regards to the subject matter, you know, we're certainly a, a force to be reckoned with. And it's interesting, actually, because I was pondering, is there a circumstance where I can't see myself backing a Kev Adams Kickstarter? I have a, an annual budget for Kev Adams Kickstarters. And yes, there has been a shortage of them recently. But a uh, big fan of Diego and what he's done with regards to Kev Adams in terms of surfacing him to a, a new generation of uh, of interested folk. But that's a little side that I wanted to put into the My Rules of Better podcast because I think very strongly this podcast isn't about neutralizing the amazing good work that a variety of folk have done in many regards. And I think this particularly with Greenskins, I've not actually described this on this particular podcast, but I think the rules associated with animosity and just just how broken Greenskins have historically been represented in the majority rule set, let's just say that always irked me like why don't you just give them a point cost and you know if it's a substantially larger point cost it's a substantially larger point cost or you know can you create versions of stupidity which don't mean they're completely and utterly chaotic or well not completely and utterly but at least have this kind of chaos element built onto them i don't know anyway so through this discussion i just wanted to provide some some insight into my own thinking with regards to attribution as a topic 
One final note I wanted to put out there is I recorded Model Rail Radio Show 150 yesterday, and one of the people that helped me create Model Rail Radio, a gentleman by the name of Chris Abbott, called in, and we had an opportunity to have a chat about his relationship with role-playing game rules. Now, Chris Abbott used to be a co-host on Model Rail Radio, quite an active co-host, but in the past four or five years, and I need to point out this is a podcast that's been going for 10 years this year, but in the past four or five years, he has moved from Model Railroading into playing role-playing games, and that's his primary hobby. So in terms of a co-host on the Model Rail Radio podcast, he dropped off, but I certainly continued to follow him. And when he called back in last night, it was a wonderful opportunity just to jam and reflect. I said, hey, Chris, I have this little vehicle called My Rules Are Better. I'd love to have you on and have a chat with you about your experiences with role-playing and also creating actual games. I mean, he created certainly modules and a variety of other stuff, which I'm interested in exploring with him. I don't have any of the, the finer details. He just mentioned that in the recording last night. So look forward to having Chris Abbott hopefully participating in a future podcast recording because I'm sure he will lend a great degree of gravitas and interest to this topic, which I've only been able to skirt through various monologues so far. Tom Barbelay in the Bay Area, signing out.